This week's episode of Millions of Screens is brought to you by the HBO original series, The Undoing. Nominated for four Golden Globe Awards, including Best TV Limited Series, starring powerhouse actors Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant, both nominated for their leading roles at the Golden Globes and SAG Awards, and Donald Sutherland, Golden Globe nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Limited Series. The Undoing, now streaming on HBO Max. This is a millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show. Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creator producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. Today we're going to be talking some BBC and Amazon casting and show announcements. Uh, and then we're going to have kind of a, an overall conversation about some current series airing, starting with WandaVision, but potentially touching upon Young Rock. And maybe Ben and I will get into it about This Is Us. Who can say? Really freewheeling here. Big freewheeling pod i can't talk about this is us not yet <laughs> too too soon <laughs> too soon too soon i'm not emotionally I be here for that part right i can no, just you, do. you can leave we'll turn your video off and your audio off and ben and i will just talk about this is us dope i feel like you'll want to hear it <laughs> we'll mostly talk about the fact that uh as toby is looking for middle names for his soon-to-be-born daughter one of the names on the piece of paper is fogelman you are Holy shit. No. Question. I when when did Dan slack. Fogelman learn that his name was on that shoot paper? Is that watching, something that Watching he, last night. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it really could be full spectrum. It could be like he planted it himself as like a joke or like Chris Sullivan did it as a joke and hid it on purpose until... Just in case you want to know, the other name, middle names considered for uh, their daughter... Ramona, May, Louise, Maxine, Victoria, Nicole, Elizabeth, Rachel, Darla, Fogelman, Olin, Phoebe, Roxy, Patty, Foggy, and Elizabeth for a second time. With an S this time? They are both Zs. Also, uh, Chris Chris Sullivan does a Z. He does a Z with the thing in the middle. Oh shit! He, he does fancy. the Z and then and then a little line. Do you, is is Foggy also a Fogelman reference? Do you think is that like a nickname oh, for yeah. him? Oh, good point. I'm I sorry, didn't think about that. Did you say Odin is on the list? Olin, Olin, like Lena Olin. O L I N, like Lena Olin. Yeah. Um, number one, but, that's that's way too long. Like, why? Who has that many middle name options? Like, he was feeling pressured. Let me. He was tasked with coming up with a little with a middle name that he chose all on his own. And no one has ever done that. No one no has pu- ever done that and said no, like you no pick it by yourself. COVID, COVID yeah. rules. Yeah, no pushback. He could pick whatever, and uh, there would be no disagreement. Ramifications. On what, yeah, he he, he had full season. naming rights for the middle name. Skipping ahead to the clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. Guys, it was announced this week that uh, the follow-up to Sally Rooney is very popular, normal people, conversations with friends. The casting was announced. Uh, some of the names included Joel Alwyn, uh, Jemima Kirk, and uh, Sasha Lane. How excited are you? I know all three of us, huge fans of normal people, want to see this, this new adaptation of Sally Rooney's debut novel. What are you thinking in terms of casting? It's fine. <laughs> I, feel, I feel pretty... Uh, middle of the road about the casting. I think there's a lot of exciting names here. I'm not personally all that familiar with Joe Alwyn. Um, my initial reaction was this is skewing younger than I imagined in my head in terms of uh, his casting in particular. Um, but obviously uh, being 
employed at IndieWire were contractually obligated to be excited about uh, Sasha Lane being part of the cast. Uh, that just goes without saying, I think. Um, but really, I'm I mean, excited. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you could carry that whole excitement over for me. Okay, I'm just, I, I only American care about Honey. Lenny and Sally. Just give me Lenny and Sally making more things together, and it'll be great. Yes, I guess I forgot yeah. to mention Lenny Abramson's uh, part in, in the song. I mean, like, yeah, but like, like, he and Sally coming back together. This is actually interesting. So Hulu picked up and, and well, in collaboration, obviously, made normal people. Like, they picked up the rights before the, the book had been released, actually. And this uh, conversation with friends is actually Sally Rooney's debut novel. So they're kind of looping back to, not that they're connected in any way, but uh, they've clearly taken it as proof of concept uh, uh, that Rooney's work is very... Uh, translatable and adaptable by her and uh yeah i think i think there's no reason to think that this won't work this is the most exciting tv show to use the word friends in its title since friends oh wow how are you not the uh yeah you gotta work on you gotta work in the marketing team for bbc speaking of marketing on friday donald glover (laughs) and phoebe waller bridge broke at least a portion of the internet I would say the IndieWire-esque portion of it, uh, when Don Glover announced on his uh, via Instagram that he and Phoebe Waller-Bridge would be working on a new series for Amazon titled Mr. and Mrs. Smith, based on previous IP. And I think there was a general sense of like, this is not YP. This is okay, P. Go do it. <laughs> go, go do it. Go do this. Okay, P. We want to see it. That's what I'll write about. Yeah. Okay, P. Okay, B. We want to see it. B. Not a lot of details on this one, guys. No, but more than enough fervor to make up for the lack of information that we have. Um, I have Uh, no idea how this works, but I am so excited to see it. That's all all I have. All I could think of, Ben, when this news hit was what you, or or Libby, I actually forget which one of you mentioned, when it was announced that Donald Glover was working on that Disney Plus series, and you were like, I just hope, that while he's there, he gets to collaborate with other people, and it's the projects they make that are not the Star Wars projects that I'm going to be excited for. And this feels similar to that, because like they work together on Solo, and then this is the fruition of them working together on Solo. My favorite yeah. tweet about this is like was expressing awe at how much sexual tension they had with one of them uh, being a spaceship in Solo. <laughs> Uh, that that they didn't know if they were going to be able to process uh, having them together in 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 a series, and I don't blame them. I think that's a very real concern for for everyone uh, checking the series out when it comes three million years from now. I can't even imagine how many more people are going to watch Solo now that this show is happening. Like just to get an early glimpse at the chemistry. Yeah, probably between, like six. I think. At, I think. I would bet there's a lot. Like I'm going to watch Solo now. Like oh, I no, have never don't seen do that. it. I'm definitely going to watch it. It's a very bad movie. I would suggest that people watch Donald Glover's speech about Phoebe Waller-Bridge at the BAFTAs well, the year that Fleabag won. He get, he gave a really great speech about her as a. I, I want to say. I hope my memory is correct, but I think there's. A, he gave a long sort of introduction to her her acceptance of an award. The thing about this, though, is as like as you were saying, Leo. I mean, 
in theory, the way that like the system should work in my brain, it's like the it's like the Spielberg, you know, one for them, one for me kind of thing, where like he'd do the big block, blockbuster and then he'd do like an intimate, uh, you know, more subdued character drama or, or you know, hard R rated rated uh, story about the uh, Olympic massacre. But uh, anyway, the 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 that. weirdness to me is that they're going from Star Wars where they met like this big budget blockbuster collaboration to mr and mrs smith which is like it's not star wars obviously but it's still a very well-known piece of yp and it's the two people we want to see working together and it's going to be a series which is obviously taking it in a new direction and i don't think there's any reason not to be excited about it but i guess i just have to adjust my own thinking of it because like i i often do come down on on stuff where it's just like why are you doing this why are you remaking something why aren't you doing an original idea like don't you want to do something original don't you have original things that you want to go after and pursue and like if anybody could do them it would be donald glover and phoebe waller bridge they should be able to do literally whatever they want after atlanta and fleabag so i think i just have to have to try to lean in a little bit more often when uh, there's creative support around pieces of IP that could be exciting. Like I, I have an, an instinct to just feel wary of any resurrected IP, especially something that feels relatively new uh, to me. So I wonder, no matter how big a star you are, how successful you are, if there is an easier way in when you are um, boosting not a super experienced showrunner. Um, if it's if it's advantageous to bring in something that there is the the sort of skeletal bones for already um to make it saleable to to be picked up and then you know you can kind of work as loosely or as closely with that framework as you want i don't know i think amazon would have should have given phoebe waller bridge whatever she wanted to do whatever she wanted um and the same goes for all, all of those people involved i just like that's that's what i wonder Ben is like in this day and age. Is it still easier to to use YP? Again, I, I would think that they could do whatever they wanted, which leads yeah. me to think that this is exactly what they want to do. Like I, I, I it's hard for me to imagine yeah. both of them having like another project that they took to Amazon and saying uh, we want to do this, and they said no. So they're like, all right, well, what if we do Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and that's our gateway to do the other thing? Like, if we do one more for you, we can do the thing we want. I think this is the thing. Oh, yeah. And it's just, and... It's just being excited about it because I'm a, a grouchy skeptic, so. All right, we got two more bits of business before we get to the meat. Number one, <laughs> one of my favorite bands, Jawbreaker, was featured on an episode of 911, their song Fantastic Planet. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate my fellow podcast mate, Ben Travers, on being nominated by the LA Press Club for a National Arts and Entertainment Journalism Award for his television criticism. Yay! That's very nice of you. I'm extremely uncomfortable. And <laughs> That's why we're talking about it. I know, I wanted to make you uncomfortable. You're both monsters and wonderful, <laughs> and that was a very nice bit of news uh, to receive. That's you all are I, so I deserving. can possibly say. You're you're very deserving, and you're in you're in amazing company. Um, this is true. a lot of my favorite people were nominated for that award, so it's kind of just wins across the board. So, but yeah, it's always I mean, nice to see the right people get. And you have to be excited. You notice. have to be excited about 
the the group of shows that that you were nominated with. Yes, uh, very much so. Mine Hunter, City So Real, At Home with Amy Stairs, and podcast favorite, Snowpiercer. All right, well, skipping ahead to the meat of today's episode, we are two thirds of the way through WandaVision's one season as a limited series, and there's a lot of thoughts flying around the internet. Uh, well, there always are. There always are. Uh, I, I think there, there's something to be said that the, the fandom around this show, with anything, I think, typically populist in nature, MCU related, is pretty fervent. And the idea that you would use your nationally recognized television criticism award uh television criticism skills to sort of say hey here's what this show could be doing better is strange the pushback that we've gotten as and i'm speaking from my own opinion as someone who a few weeks ago asked you guys whether wandavision was a great show or the greatest show yeah we remember uh i read your criticism and i take it to heart and i was like these are issues that the show has and it's so strange that uh that people sort of aren't able to parse that criticism isn't there to to sort of yuck people's yums, but instead say, hey, here's what the show is doing well, here's what the show is not doing well. And I, th- I think it's sort of strange that people don't understand that. Oh, well, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'd say it's strange that they don't understand it, but it, did, it does point out, like, uh, uh, the main piece of criticism in this week's review, because it was just this week's review that got a lot of attention, um, that people seemed to spark to was the idea that... I still think of WandaVision as being an, an overextended feature film, something that, that would have worked well in, in a two-hour chunk, or not necessarily worked well, but like uh, been more efficient in its storytelling and, and um, just been a, a more effective piece of entertainment if, if it was kind of conduced to uh, a shorter format. And seeing them as weekly installments, it's not that they're releasing them weekly so much as they're uh, trying to make it work where you have a half hour show that can stand on its own and you can appreciate that story for a week and then move on to the next story. And that's where I feel like they've been, they've been struggling. Um, So I I talked a little bit about that in the review and I also was just kind of annoyed because uh, I thought the previous episode that episode five had done a lot, had taken a lot of significant steps forward toward, getting us into the good stuff, getting us into the the kind of grief and, and emotional resonance that WandaVision has been kind of keeping at arm's length for so long. Um, so to me, like that, that kind of reaction speaks more to a misunderstanding of what TV is in general. Like I, I think a lot of people just think of TV as like, you know, there's the misconstrued, there's the misconstrued idea perpetuated by a lot of filmmakers who come to television where they're like, TV is just a long movie. It's just a 10 hour film. Like that's all we're doing. That's not really what TV is. There's other people who are like, well, it's on this network or I saw it on TV. So then it is a TV thing. And that's not also what TV is. So there's, there's, there's labels that people toss out as Libby talked about. There's uh, just a a misuse of language on the internet or like a, a shorthand that people use where you're not talking about the same thing and you need to clarify. And some of that is obviously on me for, not being clear in the, in the review itself. Um, but I do, I just feel like WandaVision at this point is trying to fit into 
is like a, a, a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. Like it, it needs to be something else. And it's just trying to, it's just trying to, trying to twist its shape into something that doesn't quite fit. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I still think that these last three episodes, right? Three, yep. seven, eight, nine. Yep. Um, will have a strong ending. I think they have to almost. I think they have to deal with so much that if they don't, I think a lot of people are going to feel betrayed because we've been waiting this long for them to dig into it. But I just don't feel like Marvel being kind of the very knowledgeable, very hands-on storytellers with all of their properties that they are would allow that to happen. So I I think that this thing's going to end well. And to me, it's, it's just still valuable to have a discussion about, okay, but why is it a TV show? And what do you want to do with your TV shows? And what does this mean for the arsenal of TV shows that we're about to see from Disney Plus? Um, there's a lot of discussions going on about, you know, which release strategy is best for which show. And I think that's something that that is part of what we can discuss about WandaVision. But I also think it's important that people recognize why TV existed weekly to begin with. Like they they gave you. A, a substantial piece of entertainment every week. It wasn't like they were going to give you one part of a story every week. They were giving you a story every week. And WandaVision isn't built like that. So that's where the, the frustration comes from my end. But I know that uh, there's different reactions. I think we all three of us agree. And maybe I think I said this and made a face pre-pod. But like, I agree that like I also prefer a weekly rollout as a viewer and i think any corporation or network probably prefers a weekly rollout in terms of the coverage they get uh in terms of being able to uh, allow the conversation to extend for a full nine weeks as opposed to as i think some people have mentioned if wandavision was dropped all at once it would have been big for that weekend and then disappeared off the face of the earth and i think as probably the biggest defender of wandavision on the podcast i read your piece ben and like agree with so many of the points like we are we are thinking at, at odds about maybe the show generally because i'm obviously in the bag for the mcu but I, I i also i think i agree that like last week's episode was kind of a spinning your wheels we're, we're getting the same we're getting the same beats just at a different pitch like it's like oh this is the same note that we got last week for two weeks vision is known that there's something wrong and maybe he found out one extra thing this week, but like things should be moving faster. And the thing that I mentioned pre pod about WandaVision, whether or not it was supposed to be binge, whether or not it was conceived as a movie or not is the idea that it doesn't seem to fit the typical format of television. Every episode seems to end on a cliffhanger not that it's been building towards the whole time, but rather it just feels like it ends. And it's like, oh, it's over already? And like you look at your watch like, shit, that was it? As, and it's not a good that was it. It was like that didn't, that didn't feel paced properly to be over now. I'm fine with cliffhangers. It's the idea is like it almost feels like part of a larger story is just being chopped up into chunks as you move along and there isn't sort of a natural arc within an overall arc which is the way typically you build seasons of television and i think i mentioned this, i haven't done a full you know uh script analysis on wandavision but it feels like it doesn't have the typical three act with tag structure of sitcoms whether they be the sitcoms of your 
or the sitcoms of today. And I think some of that is seeping through in terms of the viewing experience. I think there's also a problem to be said that this show doesn't act like normal television. You can't, you can't, you can't just review episode six of WandaVision because it's so tied to this larger cinematic universe. And if you haven't watched Age of Ultron, you have no idea what's happening. You're so lucky. <laughs> but like, it's just this weird thing where like you can jump into an episode and not that, not that one is good or one is bad, but you can jump into an episode of the Connors and know exactly what is happening because it, it is self-contained. You get a full story in 22 minutes. Shows have arcs and people bring up, you know, the great series of past where like the show had a massive arc, but even things like Lost had stories built in to a single episode. Mysteries are allowed to go on and be like, oh, I don't understand what's happening. It's okay for that to happen. But the, the, the episode itself has to have a self-contained arc. A lot of people, I think, would try to say that the difference you're talking about is episodic television versus serialized television, but that's not true. Like, plenty of sitcoms are episodic. The Connors is episodic. Like, there's, there's stuff that continues on, and if you want to keep up with that every week, you can, but you can still drop in and just enjoy whatever episodes you want to enjoy because that's how a lot of network TV historically has been built around. But still serialized shows like lost like the leftovers like a lot of a lot of serialized narratives they still do construct their seasons like you're saying they still do use full arcs for each episode because that's they know that's how they're telling their story and they know that the only effective way to tell that story is by honoring that structure and by giving your fans a reward every week uh for for tuning in consistently wandavision though like you said it's a different kind of reward. Like the, the thing that they're giving audiences each week is kind of like, you know, it's a clue about the show. Sure. It's a, it's a tease about the mystery there, but it's also a nod to something that happened in Ant-Man six movies ago, like with Randall Park's payoff of learning the card trick. Like, I mean, there's, it's, it is a very different way of watching television. It's a different way of constructing television. I'm just not sure if it's, right for television and i'm going to shut up now libby please 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 no i mean i'm not sure it is television i mean that that's that's the whole thing like ben you mentioned like um how traditional serialized seasons of television will um have the overarch overarching arc and then the 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 episodic arc and you say because they understand how to tell their story um but that's how you tell every story uh you, you have to if um you don't write a book you don't write a book stream of consciousness and just like just put in cat chapter breaks wherever you want <laughs> that's the way stories work um that you don't just kind of arbitrarily chop things up and have a cliffhanger ending like i i would i would love to see leo's like breaking down of every wandavision episode and be like what did we accomplish this episode like what did we learn like how was the story move forward because I think there is very little momentum from A to to wherever we are now, L maybe or maybe just C. I think and, I think the uh, I think the problem is to, to, to Ben's point. I think we've only gone like A to C, and the last three yeah. episodes are going to go D to Z. And guess what? People are going to lose their shit and be like, "Was this the greatest limited series of all time?" Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not television. It's HBO. <laughs> No, I just like I don't there is something about it that seems very disingenuous to me. Um 
that I've been thinking about, like, because we talk and we argue about this show a fair amount on the podcast and off. And, and I loved last week's episode. Um, and I found out that Ben hated it. And I was very offended. And I was like, he's wrong. And then I, we talked about it. And I was like, oh. And then I was like, oh, that's true of every episode. I am also in on most of the MCU Kool-Aid. And most? I spent- yeah. We're going to revoke your card. Ultron. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, you got to get yeah. behind Thor to Dark World. You got to get behind the Incredible oh. Hulk. And you got to get behind Iron Man 3. You just got to be on board. I can't. You got to be oh. on board. No, no, no. Wait, wait, Those wait. wait. big ass. Iron Man 2? Iron Man 3 is good. No, I, I just don't think it's... it. I, I don't think it's television. I think it is slices of a... Of a cheesecake that you're kind of doling out um and then you are going to realize you've been cutting the slices too thin and then all of a sudden it's going to go bad tomorrow and you have like two-thirds of this cheesecake left just because something's episodic doesn't make it television and i feel like people don't want to accept that wandavision just because just because you're satirizing television doesn't make it television yeah just because you're you're talking about television just because you were trying to ape television does not mean that you number one understand television and number two reflect that understanding in whatever it is you're making ben you made a great point of 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 um an interview a colleague of ours did with i'm not sure who they talked to jack um, Kafer. i think so if that's how oh, you yeah. say her name yeah, he was yeah, yeah. yeah. talked to him. And it was very much, oh, this had to be on TV because we wanted to do TV. We wanted the the aesthetics. And, like, that's not what makes something a TV show. Aesthetics aren't a TV show. Um, and I can think of a thousand ways you could use those aesthetics of television in film. God knows we use enough film aesthetics in television because they are in many ways the same medium and in many ways not the same medium. Um, they aren't actually interchangeable. And as much as we see the, oh, this limited series was an eight-hour movie, WandaVision is very much, oh, this two-hour movie is actually a limited series. It, there's something about the framing device of WandaVision, that, that, that dependence on television, that feels like such a cheat to me. And we talked about it a little bit. It, it, it feels disingenuous to try and be like, well, of course it understands TV because TV is so central to what this is. But I mean, it's sort of the difference between good satire and Saturday Night Live. Um, it, it's like it, the effects and the money and, and, and the little things. I love the TV recreations that WandaVision has done. There is a lot of money and a lot of care spent into them, but it doesn't have the they they abandon it often through yeah. an episode, especially as the se- season goes along, and that's fine. But it loses the punch. Then it's just a then it's just a bit they're doing. Everyone's wearing '80s sweaters. That's just a bit. I mean, as someone who worked at a satirical website, I can yeah. tell you that you are like as satire, you are a slave to the form. It's like if you're if if at ClickHole you're trying to emulate what a Christian you know, a video looks like of a child saying he's, he died and saw God. You watch that YouTube video and you make your video look exactly like, like that YouTube video. It has to look bad. It has to sound the same way that thing sounds. The minute 
I think Steve Green, the recommendation machine, and I have had many dis discussions about the fact that WandaVision goes 90% of the way to try to emulate the 50s, 60s, 70s, and today. <laughs> but, and I think... Remember radio? Yeah, and, and remember radio? Uh, and I think Steve and I are in the same place where like, I want it, I want it to go the whole way. But I also understand that you have conditioned an audience of millions of people who love your product to have a sleek, slick, good-looking, good-sounding product. And if you were to go in there and give them a Malcolm in the Middle 90s episode that looks like it was shot on 90s era cameras, where you have chromatic displacement all over the place, you have weird scanning, they'd be like, this looks like shit. If you, if you did a, an episode of Bewitched and used 60s technology, or at least made it look like 60s technology, people would be like, why does this look so bad? This I looks would lose weird. I my shit. I would love it. I think I, but I mean we're I, dorks. And I think yeah, I think there's a there's a huge there's a huge sub part of the Marvel people that, that would get that and love that. But I think most of the people oh. would be turned off by it. Absolutely. It also doesn't really match the rest of the look of the MCU because even we we give so many points to like the Thor Ragnaroks and and the other movies that sort of took swings, Guardians of the Galaxy that took swings to look different. It's still looks great nothing looks bad on purpose I, I would argue that they they could really use that kind of aesthetic attention much more now that they've combined the two worlds so like for those first three episodes where we were just in wandavision we we're just in the town and they were sticking to sitcom formats like maybe you have to appease your audience a little bit and make the black and white episode like you're already making it black and white that's a big reach these days people hate black and white they're going to get angry um, like maybe you're just like, okay, the rest of it, it's going to look good. It's going to be, it's going to, we're not going to fuck with it any more than that. Uh, they're already doing the, the four by three and then it stretches when something, you know, that doesn't fit happens, whatever. Uh, but now that you're doing, now that you have the A story and WandaVision and the B story with the sword agents, the sword agents can be the sleek, cool, look at the unbelievable stuff. And then you can have the hard cut to really show off the attention that you paid to making it into a TV episode or to, to, or to pay homage to a TV episode. And I think that could help. I think those kind of, that kind of attention could improve things. Um, but the only thing that I will, that, that I, that I want to point out before we get too far down the line and something that I obviously didn't, don't point out on a regular basis. There is a lot of, um, there should be a lot of admiration for both the creative and business decisions that went into making this a weekly release and a TV show because they recognized the demand that the audiences had that they're providing. Like that there is, there is an insatiable appetite to spend more time in the MCU, like just in the universe, like obviously with these specific characters, but also with a lot of the characters within that world and TV in theory is the way to do that you can literally spend more time with the characters um them providing that via the via the limited series via the weekly release uh the series itself hopefully in the end probably is longer than the movies so then that aim is accomplished uh but also the thing about a weekly release that really helps people form an attachment to all shows is that you're thinking about it more you're you're literally spending time in your own head creating attachments to something. Um, and that's an extremely valuable tool 
to go along with everything else that, that a weekly release can provide. And when you've already got kind of the built-in establishment of we want to spend time with these people, we love these people, we want to be in here, you know, people don't want to think about anything wrong with that. That's their safety bubble. That's their happy place. Like it's 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 not comfortable to to kind of reassess that and be be told like the thing that I've wanted for so long is wrong or isn't doing it right or there's problems here, especially depending on what you see WandaVision as. Like I I have to look at WandaVision and be like, how does this stack up with the rest of TV? Like how does this you know, what is it, what is it doing to, to accomplish the goal that it's set for itself? And how does that compare to, you know, other outlets, other shows, other, uh, television, uh, that can, that can provide the same thing. But a lot of people are just like, no, 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 I don't really care about any of the other stuff. This is what I want. I just want this. And that's all I'm going to compare it to is, is it the thing that I wanted it to be? Which brings us back to your original point of like, it can't stray too far from, that world they can't stray too far from the mcu that they know um and they haven't and i think that's just part of why um a lot of people do have a strong positive reaction to the show and you know the creatives and uh the execs deserve credit for that something i find i find so concerning about wandavision and and it is that framing device um is that cheat and because I was ranting to you guys about this off the pod. Um, but yeah, that sort of, oh, well, it's about TV, so we must understand TV. Ben was telling me a little bit about The Young Rock. Um, <laughs> Which premiered this week. Premiered this week. NBC's The Young Rock. Also as a framing device. The framing device of, of Young Rock, if I understand it correctly, Ben, is that Randall Park from Disney Plus's WandaVision uh, is... <laughs> uh, I know, right? Is is interviewing... Explain the premise to me. Wait, time okay, out. So, Before so, we get too far ahead of ourselves, how would you like Randall Park described? Would you say Veep's Randall Park? Would you say Always Be My uh, Maybe's Randall Park? I think for the, for the super fans, you should go Veep's Randall Park. Okay. I think for regular audiences wide audiences in general whatever it should be fresh off the boats randall park i also accept always be my maybe's randall park especially because it was a very popular movie according to netflix they said a lot of people did watch it so young rock uh and i must preface this by saying that the pilot is a friggin mess but they do manage to get all of this into the pilot young rock starts with the idea that dwayne johnson aka the rock is running for president in the year 2032. And because there are some issues with people saying, oh, he's from Hollywood, oh, he's a big wrestler guy, oh, like he's disconnected from reality, he has to do, like he has to tell a lot of stories about his childhood and his upbringing to connect with the people, to show that he's one of them and that he's, you know, he's just like us. Like he's not, he's not an elitist. Like you can root, you can vote for me. Everything's fine. And it begins with an interview with Randall Park. Randall Park is playing himself, but in the future. And the future version of Randall Park has stopped acting, and he is now a, a TV journalist uh, interviewing people on the political campaign trails doing rock. Uh, he clearly yearns for his days of acting because he continuously reminds Dwayne Johnson that he used to act. To which Dwayne Johnson responds, yeah, you mentioned it. That's the start of it. 
they sh- they screened three episodes for critics ahead of time. The first two are framed like that, where he's talking directly to Randall Park. But then the third, which I think is actually the sixth episode of the show, for whatever reason, he the framing of his story is from a podium where he announces his vice presidential pick and then gives a speech to the room of reporters that's related to why he chose this person. So like, it's not always Randall Park. It's just stretched throughout the campaign, The Rock telling stories about his youth, and it'll either be young, very young Rock, like adolescent Rock, teen Rock, or college rock. Uh, and there's three different actors playing them, and The Rock, obviously, himself is is Dwayne Johnson in 2032. This is the very complicated framing of Young Rock on NBC, Libby. Man, I have so oh, many thoughts me. on that plot synopsis. <laughs> it's wild. One is, yeah. one is like the three ages is like, instead of This Is Us, it's This Is The Rock. <laughs> yes. I did think about This Is Us while I was writing the review. And I was like, I can't quite steer that in here somehow. I'll just leave it. Just because you see the different ages of, of the kids. Uh, then uh, two is, I want to know what happened in the intervening three elections or two elections. So something happens in 2024 and something happens in 2028. My assumption would be that, that Biden is reelected in 2024 or Kamala Harris takes over. Well, if she takes over, she could run again in 2028. I'd assume that The Rock is running as a Democrat, which would mean there'd have to, you'd want there to be a Republican. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't assume. I, would be, I bet he's a Republican. They do not mention political parties. Of course the not. Show. They do make references to the time period between like our present day and 2032, but nothing as overt as that. Like, I, I just want to know, I just want to know the landscape in between it. those years. And then the, the third thing is I love the idea of Iraq not trying to be elite when literally Elizabeth Warren's tax plan, the person she kept using as an example for how we're going to tax the rich was the rock. It's like the rock is his, his wealth is this much. We're going to tax him this like over a million dollars. He's going to get taxed. 50%. But Libby, I'm sorry I cut you off. What are your thoughts on the format of Young Rock? Well, when Ben was telling me about this, like he had shared his secret fears with me, so I have blabbed them wherever I could, which is that it it occasionally feels a little bit like pre-planned propaganda. Uh, because That's in the review. I've, I've, yeah. You're safe. Okay, thanks. Uh, Dwayne Johnson... <laughs> Uh, has never really shied away from his sort of political interests, leanings. Um, There have been rumors about him getting into politics, especially immediately after Donald Trump was elected. Um, And so there is a sense, there there is a sense of foreboding, I think, and a sense of um, maybe... QAnon level conspiracy theorizing here, but if there were unpleasant, uh, if largely innocuous stories from someone's past, how better to get them out and discuss them in the public sphere than to have a sitcom about it where you air a lot of your dirty laundry uh, under the auspices of entertainment, a sitcom. So people know more about you. They feel closer to you. They feel like you're not an elitist. So in 2032, you aren't surprised and are maybe a little excited when someone runs for president. Um, Yes, especially if some of those stories are connected to the University of Miami football program, which I'm no expert in by any means, but 
it is not a stretch to say that some bad shit happened there in the past. I do not know. I'm not saying any of it involved The Rock. I would never debase or defame The Rock in such a way. Um, but uh, is, I highly, I highly that, recommend that's a rough reach. time. I highly recommend uh, people go and watch The You Part 1 and Part 2 yes. as a 30 for 30 series to get a yes. good idea of what the University of Miami football program was like at various times in the 80s and 90s. Right, and this, this is a great like this is a great example of kind of the the complications of, of me of a lot of people I would think watching the show because you'd never hold anything against somebody, you know, that they did when they were ten or when they were like fifteen. Like I mean, you know, they're they're approaching adult responsibilities and all that things and there could be worrisome whatevers, but like you're not gonna be like you can't be president because you were stealing shit from stores, which is like one of the bigger like one of the bigger confessions that he makes in the interview that they don't want him to make and he's he had a uh, like he just stole a lot of goods. Like he was actually arrested for, you know, petty theft. Anyway. But once you make the leap to college, like once you take kind of take it past young rock more into young adult, rock. adult like you're, you're you're really out there legal uh, age like rock legal yeah legal age rock oh i don't know how to take this anymore because like for the draft rock and, <laughs> yeah. and plus a lot of the a lot of the stories that like the rock is a kid growing up around wrestlers growing up around a lot of famous wrestlers uh moving around the country as much as he did you know all of those are are a great basis for a show already if you add those two ages plus the rock it's it's gonna be just a good innocent little kid show the framing of the presidential race is the thing and then you know the, the college age stuff maybe but that's the thing where you're just like is this this just seems like it's biting off a lot like it's trying to do a lot of things and i just don't it's uncomfortable all of a sudden so uh and i would also just say that the creator of the show co-creator of the show the rock is nanachka khan who also worked with Randall Park on Always Be My Baby and also created Fresh Off the Boat with Randall Park. Uh, and she is amazing. And the way that she is able to kind of guide you through all of this, even in the messy pilot, is astounding to me. Like, it's still a very fun show with very good quips and really, like, great casting. Uh, the, the casting of each individual rock is right on the money, but also his family is just so perfectly orchestrated um Ben's so it, on board. it just feels like rock I, I, rock 32 I really want to be i'm just yeah. so uncomfortable <laughs> so. It, 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 but it reminds me in that sense of, of wandavision is there's this framing device that they want to stand for one thing and i'm worried they want to stand for another um and that's a that's a, that's a that's that's a concern <laughs> i don't know like it's it's um I don't remember what my conclusion was here, but it, it's just it it it's not uh it's not like product placement, it's not like uh subliminal messaging, but I think there are shows that that try and, and use things in their structure or use ancillary elements to um pull off things or accomplish things, narrative things that, that they don't necessarily earn. At least for WandaVision. And then the young rock is just uh, uh a, a scary dystopian future because I just I can't I can't think about another I mean person in this in SAG being president. He learned I just he learned all the lessons from it. The Apprentice. Like you just you need to put yourself in people's living rooms enough for them to think of you On as NBC. Yep. I think I think that is what is interesting at least about the link of those two shows like you mentioned. Let me like the framing device 
getting in the way of what is a good story, I guess. Like the framing device just not quite fitting the thing that you that you really do want to see. One of the things that comes up a lot in TV, especially when you're a critic and you don't like something, is people yell at you for reviewing it before it's over. It's like, you haven't seen the whole thing. How could you possibly say there was something wrong with it? You don't know how it's going to end. You don't know where it's going or why it's doing what it's doing. And I would argue that that is almost always not a good frame of argument. That's not a valid way to take because Which is why people, you are basing... That's why people hate the episode of Lost, The Constant, because the ending of Lost wasn't great and people didn't like it, so they end up hating every episode that came before it. That's the way it works. <laughs> the ending... Spot on. The ending justifies everything that came before it or disregards everything that came before it. That's just the way it works. Leo's spot on as usual. Um, and I will also... So I will just say that, like, everything Leo said earlier, too, about what's going to happen in these next three weeks. I think that is going to decide the ultimate fate of the show, of like how it's perceived. Because at the beginning, there was a lot of, there was a lot more acceptable uncomfortability. There was a lot more accepting of like, is this really working? Is this doing what it's supposed to do? Like, is the sitcom thing really as good as it, as it needs to be to sustain the whole series? But like a lot of those kind of questions. And then as it kept going, it became, no, 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 we got to wait it out. We got to see the mystery come together and then we'll know. Um, but I also think that after we've got it all, we will be able to give a much clearer, you know, assessment of, of just how well it was structured. Like you can see the three episodes now, like you can see those first three being like, these are all very sitcom heavy. The next three are transitionary where it's like, there's a whole episode on sword. There's two episodes where they bounce back and forth. The one in the middle offers this big, possibly MCU changing twist. What are the last three? Like, where are we taking it? What's the point of it? I mean, it's very um, unfair but, because this is the way you would you would structure an arc of a show anyway. But boy, does the first third feel like a first act of a movie? Does the second the second trio feel like the second act of a movie? And does these upcoming three episodes feel like the third act of a movie? Like, and you would you would do something like that, though not all limited series would do that. Watchmen definitely didn't have that kind of of a structure, but. There, there is something to those first three episodes were the ones that were most heavy into the sitcom stuff. It's letting you set up the world that like something's wrong with Wanda. Then boom, end of act one is outside world. We, we've hit our act one. Our midpoint is the big earth shattering. Uh, here's, here's what's happening. Did, did we just cross over with the X-Men? And then now we had this like filler heading into the back half of of act two where it's like is wanda and vision at their lowest point i'm not sure but that's what would typically happen now and like you you'd want whoever the lead of this it doesn't feel like wanda's there yet like wanda hasn't gotten to the bottom and i think to all of our points we really want to see elizabeth olsen be able to grapple with the grief of of what's happening and it feels like the sh the show just for lack of time might give that short shrift because there's all these other masters it has to serve in terms of setting up multiverse of madness, in terms of bringing in some other big cameo that hasn't shown up yet, which will probably be Benedict Cumberbatch. Like there, there's just a bunch of stuff that's gonna, that's gonna happen. Yeah, and, and and that's disappointing to me because the one thing I was looking forward to in WandaVision was like looking, Elizabeth Olsen's an incredible actress. Uh, people might not know that from watching the MCU movies, um, just because it, I think part of the reason we have a TV show about the Scarlet Witch is because she was always underserved in those in those films uh, for someone so powerful. 
But I, I mean, I have to imagine that Wanda's bottom will come. That uh, Wanda's low will come, you know, after the a big confrontation with Vision, which I feel like is inevitable in in this next episode. Um, but yeah, I don't know how quickly they're gonna have to to pivot to to like you said, a setup for all of the other series for for the next film installment. Like I, I um, I'm concerned. I love Endgame. It did what it needed to do probably as well as any film could have. Um, it was an impossible task. I don't know if WandaVision can get there. I, I don't know if it can succinctly and, and satisfyingly uh, fulfill all of these arcs because I'm not sure I'm invested in them yet, which is a problem. Like, I'm still waiting to really invest in Wanda and Vision together. I'm still waiting to, to, to really invest in sort of what's happening with S.H.I.E.L.D. or S.W.O.R.D. Um, I'm waiting for what's next. And I'm afraid what's next is another TV series. It's not the end of WandaVision. It's Winter Soldier and Falcon or, or further on or further on. Um, I don't want these all to feel like prequels to uh, Multiverse of Madness. And I think as, as I, I think the staunchest defender of the MCU overall, and then also someone who really loves WandaVision, I've mentioned a lot of my quibbles with it. It feels like the three shows we talked about a couple of weeks ago that are sort of fi- vying for time on WandaVision, which is like the, the pitch perfect parody of sitcom tropes, Wanda's dealing with the grief and fallout, and then this third overarching sword, uh, big bad thing that is happening. Um, are all kind of doing each other this service? Like, I don't I don't know in nine episodes if you can tell all three of those stories properly. Uh, and maybe the series is better if it's just Wanda's grief and there is no big bad and there is no sword. <laughs> You're talking to the right people. It was, it was just Wanda's grief. I know Libby and I would be over the moon about this friggin' show. And Sad white a lot girls. of other people, yeah, a lot of other people would be pissed. So, so. mad. And, and the sitcom so stuff mad. sort of undercuts, and I understand why they're doing it. I, I understand the idea of uh, having the juxtaposition of this incredibly dark uh, situation where she's lost her husband and she's created two, two sons out of nothing, mixed with we're doing Malcolm in the Middle or we're doing Full House, and we're undercutting this super dark uh, storyline with these very poppy, happy sitcom tropes. But it still, even that juxtaposition undercuts the emotion, like naturally, like it just does. And it's very difficult to like live in it too long if you're constantly undercutting it with a quit, an Uncle Joey style quit. Right. I, th- I think. Um, or Jesse. He's more I like think, Jesse. Quicksilver yeah, yeah, yeah. Quicksilver's more like Jesse than Joey. I, I think they're very, uh, they are, they're very, they're very much doing a disservice to the, the caliber of actors they have. Um, I know Elizabeth Olsen can handle this sort of emotionality because I have seen her do it before. Obviously, Catherine Hahn is the greatest person who's ever lived. Um, and when they are allowed to feel things, it's great. But they are very rarely allowed to feel things. You talk about sort of the dark underbelly. And I forget when I'm watching Underbelly how... Or when I'm watching Underbelly, when I'm watching WandaVision, how uh, sinister all of this is. Um you know, Wanda holding all these people hostage, not understanding how she's doing it, uh, trying to grieve 
this this unthinkable loss um but you know there's that sitcom veneer there's that there's they're trying to do too much with too little and um would this be better as a 22 episode series how long is every episode 22 minutes but they're built differently i would say ben's gonna say no ben said yes because i think so too i think so too i think so too you gotta go one way or the other you gotta you gotta figure out that you really want to mine the depths of her grief and you can spend like five or six episodes doing that and as well as you know pay homage to the sitcoms that you want to pay homage to um and then you're not restricted to like choosing kind of one show or a weird blend of shows for each episode you can actually just commit to one show for an episode which would be pretty fun um so then you, you can really bring people along a proper emotional arc or you know condense it and just you know tell the one story you know you want to tell to the best of your ability like to the the best way it deserves to be told um so i i i mean we're just in a middle ground and i think a lot of people are happy to be in the middle ground and i think that's fine i just i just struggle i just struggle i just i just struggle i'm calling it we've been talking about wandavision for over an hour we gotta stop i don't know if we've been talking over an hour but uh real quick predictions for the ending of wandavision what we got libby who who wins who's the winner who's the big who's the mvp of wandavision who wins WandaVision season MVP, one? Who wins? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, who comes? Still be Catherine Hahn. Yeah, yeah, who comes out on top? Does she have time? Does she have time? Yes. Yes, yeah. she does. Okay, Catherine uh, Hahn is Ben's. Ben, she, the Royal Rumble ends, and Catherine Hahn, to mix wrestling metaphors from Young Rock, Catherine Hahn comes out on top. Uh, yeah. yeah. College uh, Rock is the winner of WandaVision. <laughs> I'm going United with Wanda, States guys. Season. I think Wanda might be the winner of WandaVision. I don't know if that's a. I don't know if that's a reach. Whoa, whoa, whoa. take it easy, Rube man. Jeez. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I think. I think. If there is a vision right. at the end of WandaVision, then yes, he is the big winner. I think Pietro, guys. Okay. I think he is more than what he seems. Oh, I also agree he is more than what he seems. Millions of Screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation and IndieWire. The music featured excerpts the classic YouTube video, Bjork Talking About TV, and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Editor-in-Chief is Dan Harris-Brightson. Our publisher is James Israel. And our executive editor is Ann Donahue. Our favorite middle names for Kate and Toby's newborn child on This Is Us are Elizabeth. <laughs> Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> and Olin. <laughs> Millions of screens endorses Elizabeth. Fogelman. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at a million screens at Midwest Spitfire, Ben T. Travers, and Leo Garcia. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Leave a review and let us know what you think. This is Ben. Libby and Leo remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let poets lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>